Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with author, coach, and consultant, Dr. Elena Johnson. She is a psychologist with over 20 years of clinical experience. As a parent of three offspring who are passionate about the performing arts, she recognized the lack of resources for parents of teens and tweens with similar interests. This led her to found Parenting Talent LLC as a supportive resource for parents, instructors, mentors, and studio owners dedicated to empowering young people in their creative exploration. She is the author of Parenting Talent, The Grown-Up's Guide to Supporting Creatively Driven Teens and Tweens, which is a very helpful and practical guide to help those that want to get in there. We cover quite a bit in this interview. Enjoy. Well, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation before we get into your work and your mission is to, you know, we're coming up on the four year anniversary of this pandemic. Let's go back to 2020. How did you survive the pandemic and how did it change you? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Hit the ground running. <laughs> Got to think back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's a little crazy to think that it's been four years. Um, well, I am an introvert. So um, I think a little bit unusual way in that I was incredibly grateful to be quarantined with my family, with my favorite people and knowing we were all safe. But um, I invested very quickly in a good pair of headphones because as an introvert, I definitely do best when I can retreat into my own energy. That's just kind of how I, you know, that's how I reboot. And um, even though fortunately we were in a situation where everybody could kind of have their own space within our house. I was very much used to having time to myself. So I think that that was kind of my way of creating that a little bit for myself. So I would say probably personally, I got through it by getting some good headphones, um, using audiobooks. Uh, oh, I restarted my meditation practice, which was wonderful. I'm very grateful that that kind of kicked me back into doing that. And um, some YouTube, just discovering I hadn't I used YouTube kind of as a tool when I needed a search for something like, why won't my, uh, why isn't my washer washer working? So I hadn't really delved into all the things that were happening on there. So it was kind of great because I could find all these incredible thought leaders and new things that hadn't been there before. So yeah, that was kind of how I managed all of that. So you have a pretty eclectic plate of things. You know, you're an author, coach, consultant, psychologist. You're into the arts, so I'm going to boil this down to something that everybody can understand. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids, third graders. It's career day, and one of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I help you understand why you love something that you're doing, and that even though you love it, sometimes it might feel challenging, sometimes it might not go the way you want it to, sometimes it might be frustrating. So I help you understand what's going on there and how to make it so that you mostly can enjoy it all the time. And I help the people around you, adults help you understand what's going on and support you so that you can just have a really good relationship with the thing you love. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream? <laughs> not not a psychologist. Um, third grade, third grade. That was probably back then. I probably wanted to be a lawyer. I um, I liked analytical thinking. I liked analytical games. I liked when we would have brain teasers and things of that nature. And um, I knew that that was it was probably in my limited under, uh, knowledge of what careers were out there. My limited way of knowing that was something. I, some place that I could use that skill as well as get to talk because I did like to talk. Yeah. So I think probably that was during that era where I thought it was going to be a lawyer. So you have a pretty eclectic mix of right and left brain things going on. 
How did this happen? Take me back to where you were born and raised. Kind of what were the seeds that were planted into you that grew and evolved into who you are today? Okay. Um, so my parents um, were both the first in their families to be college educated. And they they're from the South, but they relocated to the North. And we moved to a pretty liberal area which meant um, there was a lot of the arts going on around me. So I got a pretty early exposure to that. Um, I played flute for years, but also they very much um, loved academia, appreciated the importance of that. So that was very much emphasized in my world. So I think I kind of grew up with this combination of both things happening with a, more of an emphasis on the academic side from them, though they saw the importance of these other things, but that was what they kind of focused on. So I I see psychology and sometimes I'll ask people if you had a dream and you could go back to your younger years and you could tell your younger self something, I get a lot of people that would love to have gotten into psychology earlier or, or understood how the brain worked. And I think about this in relationship to other countries like Switzerland and Israel, everyone has to get in the military for a year or two you know, to kind of understand how it all works. And that might actually help the gun problem we have in this country. But, you know, at the at the same time, do you see psychology as something that's definitely essential for humans to understand why we have these motivations and the way that we operate? I think it doesn't have to necessarily be under the label of psychology itself, per se. I think it can just be can be a larger concept than that with um, us really supporting the idea of self-reflection, understanding what motivates us, understanding why we react emotionally to certain things in certain situations. And I think there's plenty of ways of understanding that that may not fall under traditional psychology, but if they provide a framework that helps people gain better insight and be able to react in a way that they feel good about in situations and that are not harmful to other people or themselves, I think that would be an incredibly useful thing for people to kind of get at a much younger age than, well, I will say this, I do think it's getting better. I do think that we are getting better about introducing these concepts much younger. A lot of elementary schools are now trying to bring in the importance of understanding these things and teaching impulse control. It's not either you have impulse control or you go to the principal's office. There's more steps now in between and trying to get kids to understand why they might be having impulse control and the people around them. And so I do think it is happening to a certain degree, but I think that more of it certainly is only going to help things. Yeah. So what was the revelatory moment where you you found that psychology was going to be something that you wanted to pursue, that it was either going to bring you comfort or make it a profession that you wanted to pursue? I don't know if there was a concrete moment. Um, I was one of those people, and I'm sure you hear this from a lot of therapists, I was the one who was a very good listener. So people would come and they would tell me what was going on, and I would hear over and over again, oh, you give really good advice. You give really good advice. And so I... Um, I did grow up playing the flute and I had a point where I was considering actually majoring in music yeah. and my parents very much wanted me to go with a more practical major, which is something I talk about a lot now in my work. And this idea that you're going to be a starving artist and 
that, you know, kind of that trope that was, especially back then, very much the, around. So when it came down to kind of picking something that covered, like I said, I still had that part of me that was a little bit analytical. I liked philosophy. I liked all of those things that I kind of said, you know what, this is something I like. Because this, yeah. in that same way that I said being a lawyer, it combined those two things where I got to use this kind of analytical side of my brain. But at the same time, I got to do a lot of talking and engaging. And so... Um, I think then probably by the end of my freshman year of college, it was pretty clear after I got a chance to really study it at a different level that this was what I was going to pursue on a doctoral level. So who's been a hero or an inspiration for you in your life? Um, good question. I would say, honestly, my first heroes, which I know a lot of people may say, but I think it was my parents and my father. Uh, well, in one, because I said they were the first ones who were college educated, they went through a lot and they made some really tough choices without a lot of roadmap, without a lot of support. My father was a great example to me of hard work, determination, and just kind of quietly showing up. And my mom was someone who very much showed me how to really assess people for who they are. Um try to understand where they're coming from and why they're doing the things that they're doing. And my mother actually had a stutter and she didn't let, it was a pretty severe stutter too. And in spite of that, she didn't let it stop her from doing things in her life. And this was an era where people didn't really even understand what stuttering was and why it was happening. But she was an elementary school teacher for a while. She was really great at advocating for me and my brother and getting out there and making sure we were exposed to things. So I would, I would say my parents in many ways. So if you could meet one person alive on the planet right now that you find fascinating and you could spend time with them, who would it be? Ooh, only one. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a round table. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to say one. Um, and it's because it depends on what I want. What am I focusing on the moment? If it's related to what I do now. Oh, I know who I would say. I would say Barry Gordy. Okay. I have kids who want to go into the arts. I have one who's a musician, one who's a mu musician and an actor. And that would tie in some of what my parents went through in terms of how did you how did you dig down in yourself and say, this is what I want. This is what I think is important. And I don't care if there's not a roadmap. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not concerned if people think that I can or cannot make it happen and and create something amazing. So I would yeah. love to pick his brain. Yeah. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've gotten many different, I think, very useful pieces of advice. But I think the one that probably for so many different phases of my life was really useful was to look around at your village and ask yourself, who are the people who are going to champion you when you're not in the room? Yeah. What's been one of the most important books that you've ever read? What, that you either come back to or it really did something magnanimous for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a voracious reader. So that is a challenging question. Or genre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say when I was young, um, a book I remember when I was young reading and it really kind of blowing my mind for many different reasons was A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And I think it was because some of those ideas were things I already had, but I thought that was just my imagination. And to have somebody write something that was kind of leaning into 
these crazy concepts that I had no words for uh-huh. was really like, I remember rereading it over and over and feeling like I was getting something out of it new each time. And those are my favorite types of books. I definitely yeah. have books that I go back to and I will read more, you know, over and over again for various reasons. Cause they just, each time I feel like I get something new from them. So as a music person, what was the first concert you ever saw that blew you away? Oh, first concert that blew me away. It's going to be interesting because it wasn't like a rock concert. It was actually a classical music concert. Um, I think it was probably, I'm guessing it was the CSO. I was young enough that I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but my parents took me down there and I had never had that experience of music kind of enveloping you in that Mm -hmm. way and someplace where the acoustics were um, just kind of perfect. And I remember not wanting to go. And I remember being mesmerized the entire time and just understanding what the power, I think that was the first time I really understood how music could impact you emotionally. Yeah. So do you ever listen to Hubert Laws? Mm -mm. With the flute? That would be. He's a jazz. Oh, it's been, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, he did classical too. I mean, he was a real crossover. So when you said that, I just didn't know if, uh, because he's he's one of the more noteworthy ones out there that's doing it. But uh, so let me ask you this. Every day you wake up, you know, you have motivations to not only do a good job to help people, but to also evolve as a human being. What is that motivation for you? What gets you moving every day? Twofold. Um, and they connect to one another. I love what I do and I'm passionate in part I'm fortunate in that I love what I do and I'm passionate about what I do in part because I feel like it helps my my sons who are both in the arts. So I'm really passionate about learning more, doing more, and really opening doors to more young people being supported in that pursuit. So that is one of my motivators. And then tied into that, what motivates me is I feel like if I can help get the message across about supporting people who want to be in the creative or performing arts, especially young people. I just genuinely believe that what comes out of the arts can create bridges where nothing else can. So when we're in this time of such disparate opinions and, and not being able to communicate, I do feel like if you can be in the room with someone you agree with nothing on, but a certain piece of music comes on and you both look and go, oh yeah, that's kind of my jam. Now you have a connection point or a movie or so I'm just very passionate as I look at where things seem to be heading right now about how do we find ways to connect that are more powerful and resonate with us on a deep level. And I do think that the arts can do that. So that kind of keeps me really excited and motivated. What's one of your favorite client success stories? I know you have to be anonymous or what's the favorite kind of success story that you love that puts a smile on your face? My favorite kind is honestly, um, I live in an upper middle class suburb and there's a lot of emphasis on college, college, college. And I get, I would have these teenagers who would come through and they would be saying, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And the parents are like, we have to do it. You have to do it. And so some of my favorite success stories were when I could get the parents to meet their teen where their teen was at. Yeah. And actually be open to the idea of in this generation, there really are many different paths. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be living in your basement forever. 
that you can be open to doing it in a different way and they can meet with tremendous success in doing it that way. Yeah. Those stories make me feel good. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember when I was in college, all of my friends, none of them were in and they were smarter than anybody that I knew. And, and they're all very successful, you know, and I think it, it's, it all depends on, you know, where you're at and there's no prescription for everybody. We all have our own, you know, design, so to speak. There's so many different ways to do it. And when I say to, when I say that to parents and I say, but you know, what's going to be very helpful in the meeting with that success is your support. Yeah. Your belief in them. You're saying, okay, let's make a plan that seems to make sense to you. And then being willing to be flexible within that plan. Because to your point, I will say some of the most intelligent, incredible thought leaders I know didn't necessarily go to college. Or if they did, they aren't necessarily doing anything connected to whatever degree they studied. Yeah, for sure. So of all of the things that you've done, overcome, evolved into, achieved, what are you the proudest of? Ooh, what am I the proudest of? I'm the proudest of the fact that I think I have created a situation for my own children that leans into exactly what I was saying. They feel I I would I would guess if we were to ask them, I'm I'm 99.99% sure they would agree that my husband and I have created a world where they have been encouraged to really make their own path and that they don't feel pressure to know exactly who they are and what they want for the rest of their life at the age of 14, 15, 16, which I feel like we're moving towards this idea that they have to specialize super young. And we've said, you know, it's okay. You're young. Go go figure out who you are and what you want to do and what you want to contribute to the world. So everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you <laughs> run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Nobody's ever really asked me that one. I love that question. <laughs> um, I think I am a very intuitive person and I use that intuition to guide me to understand the people around me in a way that creates connection. And I think... I see myself as somebody who is good at kind of stepping back and saying what's going on here and being able to come at it at a way that also doesn't threaten people, that that does build connections and gets people talking and thinking in a different way about things. So we get off this call, a time machine pulls up in front of your house. You can climb in and go <laughs> and you can go and see one event in human history. Where are you going? Human history, meaning it has to be in the past or it can be in the time. future. It can be and the, the compendium of time is, is everywhere. Right now, I would probably go and see how humanity integrated and managed the influence of AI in all areas. Yeah. I, I think we will, just like any other invention, there's a huge paradigm shift. But right now, it's not entirely clear to me, at least, where that paradigm shift is really going to land. And I would love to be where I could see, oh, okay, that's how that worked out. And that's how they figured that out. And that's how they managed to get through that job shift. And yeah, I would I would love to see where things land. Overwhelmingly, people that are in the field talk glowingly about it. Like it's going to be something that's going to be 
done really well, but we know what humans are capable of. That's the problem with this. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so if AI was driving AI, it might be okay, but humans are driving AI. So yeah, we probably don't need to go any further than that. I, I, and that's what I want to see because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some bumps in the road <laughs> before. But I, I do believe we can land in a place that it's going to be a tool like every other tool. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about you, reach out, any of the good business, where do they go? Um, the easiest place, the most central location is just my website, which is www.parentingtalent.com. That's how you can work with me. That's where my book is located. That's where my blog is located. All the things. Excellent. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your story and for your time. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>